Shall we pray as we take time in God's Word? Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that you have given to us not only your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, but you've given to us the Word of God to teach us more about Him and more about you. And we ask that as we open the Word of God, as our focus today will be upon the Lord Jesus, and as we take of the Lord's Supper today, that our hearts might be overwhelmed with thankfulness, that our hearts might seek to say before you, Lord God, you are worthy, worthy of my praise, worthy of my life, worthy of my all. And so as I open the word of God, would you please work in our hearts tenderly? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I would like us to turn our full focus, if possible, upon Jesus, the Lamb of God, who has taken away our sin. Already for over a month, many churches have been observing a season that they call Lent, a season of self-examination, a season of repentance, where they look towards the events of that first Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. And though we don't follow a church calendar as such in most cases, yet we would do well to always search our hearts, to always examine ourselves, to always have hearts of repentance in line with the great work of grace that is seen in our Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. Our study today from God's Word, our study this morning, will take us on a journey that looks backward some 4,000 years and then looks forward as well into a glimpse of eternity in the future. And so we begin this journey with uh, around, 12, around 2,000 years ago in the region of Judea in Israel, where we find a man who is called John the Baptist, or you could call him John the Baptizer, which is uh, better from the original language. He is calling people to repentance, to call people to turn to God forsaking their sin. And John sees Jesus coming to him and says these powerful words that will be our focus for today. John the baptizer says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what I want us to look at today. And we'll come back to it again and again, even though we go to different portions of the Scripture. The words of John, Behold the Lamb of God. And as we consider the Lamb of God, first I want us to look at the promise of the Lamb that is given to us throughout the Old Testament. We could perhaps even begin in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, where Adam had sinned against the eternal God and he felt that shame and nakedness and it was God who 
took the life of an animal and clothed him with an animal skin, most likely a lamb, to cover his shame. Or we could go back to Genesis 4 and we could see the offerings of Abel and Cain and Abel took from the firstling of his flock as an offering to present to God himself. But I've chosen three places in the Old Testament to look at the Lamb of God before we bring it back to John's Gospel today. First of all, let's consider Abraham's lamb in Genesis chapter 22. Of course, we know of Abraham. Abraham walked by faith, trusted in God, and left his homeland to go where God had called him. And God had said, had promised to him that out from Abraham with his very own wife, he would be a father of children. In fact, he would be a, become a father of many nations. And yet decade after decade after decade passed. Don't you hate waiting when we want God to work immediately? But he waited and waited until it was impossible to have children. And when Abraham was 100 years of age and Sarah 90, 90 years of age, God gave life to the womb and a son of promise was given. But then when Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son, was now probably in his teenage years, God asks Abraham to do what is the unthinkable, to take his only son, the son of promise, whom he so dearly loved, and to offer him upon the mountainside as a burnt offering. And Abraham believes and obeys, knowing that God is the God who keeps his promises. And Hebrews eleven nineteen said that Abraham believed if he had to take the life of his son, that God, God would raise him from the dead. And so Abraham and his son Isaac climb up Mount Moriah. And Isaac, Abraham's son, says to him, My father, look, here is the fire. And the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham answers in faith, My son, God will provide him for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the altar is built, and the wood is laid upon the altar, and Isaac willingly accepts being bound. And Abraham raises his knife, ready to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord calls from heaven and says, Do, Abraham, do not lay your hand upon the lad. And behind him there is a ram that has been caught by its horns in the thicket. God indeed provided the lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God. All of this was not given simply to test the faith of Abraham, but it was given to us as a picture of the love of God the Father himself, that he would give his very own Son, who would come into this world and would be willingly give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It would be Jesus. But I want us to leave for a moment 
Abraham's lamb, and I want us to go to a second picture given in the Old Testament, and I've called it Israel's lamb. We also know it as the Passover lamb. The event takes place in Exodus 12. Perhaps you'd like to turn there with me to Exodus chapter 12. Israel had been slaves in Egypt for several hundreds of years. And God heard the cries and the anguish of his people there. And he sends Moses to confront Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, and demand that Pharaoh lets God's people go. And because Pharaoh refuses, God sends ten catastrophic plagues upon the land to force Pharaoh's hand and to demonstrate his greatness over the false gods of Egypt. The tenth and final plague that comes upon the land is that every firstborn son would die except where the blood of a spotless lamb would be sprinkled upon the household of those that would be under its protection. We read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, Speak to all the children of the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they shall eat it. And verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians... And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Behold the Lamb of God. Each household of people is to take a spotless lamb, a lamb that together as one they would slay, And the blood of that spotless lamb that has been slain, they are to take the blood of that lamb and they are to sprinkle it on the doorpost and on the lintel above the door. This was the Passover lamb, a picture for those who are yet to come, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. It was a picture for us to come. Behold, the Lamb of God. But I'd like us to touch on one more Old Testament lamb. This time, it's Isaiah's lamb. Perhaps you've guessed the passage where we'll look, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah lived around 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is given a vision by God a vision of a coming servant of the Lord, a servant who would actually one day like a lamb be taken and be slaughtered in order to redeem God's people. 
We'll read just a portion of Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." There's very little that I could ever add to this passage except to say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Messiah, the servant of the Lord, would come and would bear our iniquities and in silence he would give himself as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearer, he would give himself and face the cross for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God. And so we've seen here that the lamb has been pictured and promised in the Old Testament. In fact, every animal sacrifice that was ever given in the Old Testament was pointing to the coming Redeemer. Yet the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And so the world had to wait. Not only was there the promise of the Lord, the promise of the lamb... But then, in the fullness of time, there was the presence of the Lamb. The presence of the Lamb in Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it's John's Gospel in the New Testament that so clearly speaks about this one who is the Lamb of God. Perhaps you'd like to turn there to John's Gospel in chapter 1 there. In this first chapter, the Apostle John, first of all, speaks about Jesus. The Jesus who is called the eternal word, the one who is with God, the one who is indeed God, the one who was made flesh and who dwelt among us. And then in this first chapter, the Apostle John also introduces us to us to a rather unusual man known as John the Baptist. John, according to verse 6, was a man sent by God, sent on a mission from God. And the task that has been assigned to him was to prepare the way of the Lord, to bear witness of the Lord Jesus. 
This was his sole mission for which he came to this life. Have you ever thought about the reason that God has placed you where you are? The reason he gives you life? John's reason for existence was to point people to Jesus. We too are to recognize that we live with a purpose before God. We live to bring glory to God and to point people to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. For John at this time, large crowds were flocking to him as he was preaching, calling people to repentance, as he was baptizing them with confessing their sins. And in John 1.29, we see Jesus approaching John the Baptist. And in words that only God could reveal to him, we have the presentation of the Lamb of God, as John says to the people around him in verse 29 of chapter 1, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to note that John didn't say, Behold, the great teacher to learn from. He didn't say, Behold, the great example to follow. Rather, his focus is on the real need of mankind and the reason for which Jesus came. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The world desperately needed a Savior. I want you to remember the significance of John's words here by three more words. The words assurance, atonement, and all-sufficient, those three words. First of all, the word assurance. When John says this word, behold, he's not casually saying, look, here's Jesus coming, but he, it is a directive saying to those around him, don't look at me, look to Jesus. Believe on Jesus. John knows that Jesus alone is the only one who can take away sin. He alone is God's promised land. No other person, no other action, no other church, no other sincerity, no other baptism, nothing of, ever, of any sort could wash away our sins, could take away our sins except the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We are to look to Jesus alone. And John the Baptist is saying, look, look at Jesus with assurance, he is the Lamb of God. I get concerned at times of, uh, as a pastor that some who come here as part of our church fellowship, as lovely as you are, when we say, when did you become a Christian? Sometimes people say, I've always been a Christian. Now, if you mean I grew up in a Christian home and I've been to church since I was young, that's fine but unless you can say, I have, I have recognized that it is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who died for my sins upon the cross. Unless you come in, in faith to trust in him and him alone, you're on dangerous ground. Assurance through Christ alone. A second word I want you to remember is atonement. Behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away sin. This word atonement means that we have been reconciled to God because our sins have been dealt with. Sin brought a barrier between the eternal holy God and ourselves and there was nothing we could do to break down that barrier until the Lamb of God shed his blood and carried our punishment so that we could be made at one with God. As I mentioned earlier, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. They could only temporarily cover them from the eyes of a holy God until the Lamb of God would come and deal with them once and for all. There's no more need for a sacrifice. The Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19. We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Can you say, my sins have been dealt with in Jesus, and I know that without any doubt. Assurance, atonement, the third world word is all-sufficient. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No more is needed because Jesus, the Lamb of God, not only uh, took care of the sins of those of Israel who put their faith in the Lord Jesus, but this was something radical to those of Israel because they felt like if you weren't part of Israel, you could never be accepted by God. But Jesus came And upon himself, he took the sin of the world. The sin of all who come in faith, no matter their background, no matter their culture, no no matter how deep was their sin, when they come in faith and look to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he saves them. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. People all across this world from every country, every nation who by simple faith put their trust and hope in him as their saviour. Standing before John, as John points to him and points others to him, we see the promised Lamb of God now presented. And we know that some 2,000 years ago, not only was the Lord Jesus presented as the Lamb of God by John the Baptist, but also we read of the offering up of that Lamb on Calvary. Within three and a half years of his presentation, on the very day that the Jewish people in Jerusalem were slaughtering their Passover lambs and preparing for the Passover meal, as they remembered past deliverance from slavery in Egypt, on the very day where some have estimated 20,000 sheep would be slaughtered in the temple and the blood would be flowing from the temple down into the Kidron Valley. On that very day, Jesus, the Lamb of God, God's Passover Lamb, offered himself freely as a sacrifice for our sins. 
He allowed himself to be taken and falsely tried and beaten and abused and mocked and finally led to Calvary to be the Lamb of God, the offering for the sin of the world. Shall we hear how John's gospel puts this? Chapter 19 of John's Gospel, verses 17 and 18. I find it interesting that none of the Gospel writers, when they want to speak about the crucifixion of our Savior, there's no glorying or even expanding on the ugliness of crucifixion. It was all well known too well. And John simply records these words that he, that is Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. And then at noon, three hours of darkness fell upon the land, and we hear the voice of Jesus recorded in Matthew 27, verse 46, as he cries in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Lamb of God bearing our sins, giving his life to take away our sin. Behold, as you look at the cross, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and John records Jesus' final words as he says, it is finished. Redemption was complete. No more sacrifice was ever needed. And it's this forgiveness that is available for all who recognize that they stand before God as desperate sinners who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and put their hope, their trust in him. And I beg you today, examine your heart. Can you say, he is my savior, the lamb of God who died for me. That I'm trusting in nothing except what Jesus did for me. And one day if I stand, when I stand before God, if he should ask me why I should be accepted in heaven, I can simply say, because Christ died for my sins, according to the scripture. This Savior, of course, the Lamb of God who died, according to the scripture, also after three days, rose triumphantly, defeating sin and death and hell. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to close, though, with one brief point and move into our Lord's table. One that perhaps could be and ought to be expanded at another time. One that I started to work on and felt like I didn't have time to expand. I want to touch on praise, the praise that is due to the Lamb. The last book of the Bible, the book that we call Revelation, 
needs to be understood in the light of the Lamb of God who is worthy to reign and worthy to worship. Around 28 or 29 times, Jesus is referred to in the book of Revelation by the title, The Lamb. That title is given to him far more than any other titles in that book. And so we must understand the book of Revelation in light of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And it's primarily used in six different worship passages. But the Lamb of God that John speaks about when we read the book of Revelation, we find that he is the all-conquering Lamb. That he is the judging Lamb, judging this world that has rejected him. He is the redeeming lamb, the lamb who receives his bride, the enthroned lamb whose face one day we shall see face to face. But above all, he is the worthy lamb. And so we close with those verses from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through to 14. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away our sin. Revelation declares that he is worthy, worthy of all. And surely he is worthy of our lives. I would encourage you today as we take time around the Lord's table, as we examine our hearts, that we might recommit our lives afresh to this one, the Lamb of God, who has taken away our sin. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are to our, for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, God the Son, the creator of this universe and sustainer of all that is around us, but the one who willingly came into the, onto this earth, the one who is eternal, yet he took upon himself the limit of humanity and became came as the Lamb of God to take away our sin. The one slain before the foundation of the world 
but the Lamb who stood before John and the Lamb who one day, before whom all will bow and all will confess that he is Lord of glory. And now as we take the Lord's table, would you help us to examine ourselves and recommit ourselves to this one who is worthy of our all. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.